Happy July 4th to all my American hoes. This is Charles. I'm sad to report that Mark, Dave, and Dustin have all run off to fight in the Franco-Prussian War on the side of America. In place of their usual professional hilarity, I bring to you the last episode of Division Gee, the failed ancestor of the break room, featuring the first appearance of Chopper Dave. This collector's episode was originally podcast on March the 12th, 2006. Enjoy and go America. I need a beer and a vagina. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. This is going to be a f***ing disaster. It's March 12, 2006. Welcome to the second episode of Division G. Only a month late. My name is Marcus Hudson, and uh, from MediaSharks.com. Uh, this week, uh, I'll be joined by Chris Vallon, Christopher Vallon, excuse me, again from MediaSharks.com, and also from MediaSharks and Sci-Fi Portal, writes for both sites, Scott Nance. And also joining me here in my living room is Dave. Uh, he's not really affiliated with anybody, but... Uh, we have been gone for about a month uh, for various reasons. Last week, Mike, and he's also sick this week. He was sick last week, couldn't talk. Uh, Meredith had to go into work, so we were uh, without a show that week. The week before that, I was moving. And uh, the previous two weeks of that, I don't remember what happened. So we're going to start over uh, again, and uh, we'll just see where it goes from here. Hopefully, we'll be able to keep it up week to week. So uh, you guys want to just get right into the news? Sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, the f- biggest thing this week that I saw was uh, this actually came from Sci-Fi Portal. Well, maybe the most interesting version of it. And that is uh, Battlestar Galactica, which wrapped up its season last night. Uh, is actually not going to come back till October. Uh, normally, all the Sci-Fi Friday series, they usually start in, uh, was it July usually? They usually all three premiere at the same time. That would be Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, and Battlestar. That's the way it's always been. Uh, but Sci-Fi announced this week that Battlestar would not actually be premiering now until October, which means that uh, SG-1 and Atlantis will both premiere in July by themselves, and I'm, who knows if they will have an accompanying show uh, at the time. Now, the the interesting thing that Scott, I'm sorry, Scott, that Mike found was that he has heard things, rumors, that Maybe this is an indication that Galactica might actually be moving to NBC because they have not had a lot of success with uh, most of their shows in recent years. So they're thinking because they have aired some episodes on NBC in the past, some episodes of Galactica, that they may actually air them. They may pull the show to their own network. Uh, personally, I think that would be a tremendous mistake for the show, if that if that's true, if there's any, any truth to that rumor. Uh, well, yeah, no, I agree. Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. On, on both counts, taking it to uh, October, and uh, if they were to move it to NBC, those would both be uh, both be big mistakes for the show. I, I don't see how it really helps the show at all. I, In I fact, agree. it could it could really just uh, sink the show, really. Yeah, it's uh, you know I, I think episode, uh, the ratings are holding quite steady on on the Sci Fi Channel, but and, and it's getting a tremendous amount of positive pub, but making the the network it, it's a giant leap to go from a small uh, independent channel like that to to a giant network, and and my, oh. my my fear would be that it would be canceled if it didn't pull in the numbers that they if, if it didn't get eleven and twelve right. million a night. So well, but yeah, I mean, look 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 at the numbers that it does. I mean, it, it's the highest rated show highest rated show on Sci Fi at about three million viewers, but for a broadcast network, that's nothing. Yeah, and I and I don't see how in the third season starting a third season of a show, it's going to grow an audience. So so significantly that right. it's going to really expand those numbers to the kind of numbers that NBC would want or expect. Mm-hmm. Plus, and even if it stays on Sci-Fi, not as bad, but it's still, you know, I mean, Sci-Fi Channel has created this really nice block on Friday night, the three shows, the, the two Stargates, and then Battlestar. It's a nice block. It all sort of adds, you know, that, that that word synergy that everybody likes. I don't see how separating it, even if it were to stay on Sci-Fi Channel, and separating it for an October 
launch, I, I don't see how that helps. It puts it right in the middle of the traditional um, TV season launch, puts it in with a lot of competition. Right. You know, sci-fi, I, I think, has, it, I mean, it's, it's been a little weird the way that sci-fi breaks up its season. It, it, doing that really helps it fly under the radar. Right. It, it counter-programs to everyone else when everyone else is supposed to be in reruns. They have original shows on. It, you know, that's supposed to be an advantage. I don't see how ending that now really helps Battlestar or how it actually even helps the other, the two remaining uh, Stargate shows that would remain on the uh, original uh, season schedule. I don't see how breaking off one of the successful aspects of that helps mm boost the two Stargate shows at all. Yeah. They tried the same thing with Monk, didn't they? Uh, moving it from USA, or at least they showed some of those, I think, and I think it did dismally in the ratings. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really follow Monk, to be honest. I follow Dead Zone and uh, 4400, but that's about it. Dave, yeah. did... Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, then it's going to be competing with sci-fi shows, which most of the fans are going to stick to sci-fi and not switch over to network. Yeah. I Yeah, I completely agree. It's... Uh, there is there's some brand loyalty there I think. And uh, I, saw, I saw that doc I saw that Doctor Who is going to be on Friday nights. You think maybe they're setting that up to Well, join you know, the other I, I I don't know. I honestly thought if they were going to do that they would have waited until July to premiere Doctor Who. Uh yeah. know, I, I don't I don't know much about Doctor Who. I uh, never I never watched one episode of any of the original or the older series, but uh the only thing I can think is maybe they're going to pair one a new show which I know they've been preparing uh Anonymous Rex for quite a while which if I is it Anonymous Rex I don't know there was, a, there was some show about a private detective that's also a uh, a wizard or is a private detective who's also a dinosaur I don't remember uh, he was like a dinosaur in human form it, it was a couple years ago when this series was originally uh, thrown out there to sci-fi and they picked it up uh, but it does star the guy who's in season 3 of 24 who sounds like Sean Connery I can't remember his name right now the guy who the, the British guy that was the Always the the last villain of the of the season. I don't remember his name. I want to say Julian Sands, but I don't think that's right. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think this would be a good move for NBC or Sci-Fi Channel because it, Battlestar is, I in my opinion, Battlestar is the best show on TV, and and I'm afraid this would just lead to uh, cancellation, which would be unfortunate for everyone. Well, uh, I mean, to have, I mean, to really hurt the show now, I mean, the, the season ender here for season two mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah, was and good. now, I mean, season three is what they're going to do. And if you thought that season one and season two of the show really moved fast, right. they're going to have to move incredibly fast in season three to really, you know, get the story going. I mean, from, from where they left off here on New Caprica and the, the invasion and the takeover and all mm-hmm. that. It's going to be hard to have standalone episodes, too, which means when you don't have standalone episodes, then it's very hard to pull in new viewers because they can't. Right. They don't want to latch onto a series that's already uh, established and has a lot of continuity to it. And that's the advantage to iTunes, but then again, people have to go back and either buy the DVDs or go to iTunes and, and download all the episodes or go to Kaza or uh, eDonkey or somebody like that. So I... Uh, that that is the I don't personally I don't like standalone episodes, uh, but they do have some advantage in in building a new fan base. Also, this week, well, I guess it was uh, it was last Sunday. There was an article uh, in the Associated Press. Of course, The Sopranos uh, premieres tonight. It's been two years, I think, since the last new episode aired, and. This is supposed. This has been rumored for a long time that this would be the last season for The Sopranos. And David Chase, he confirmed that this would. This will be the last season. Now, the last season is split into two. Uh, I think it's going to run 10, 10 or thirteen episodes for throughout March and April and May, I guess. And but then they're going to end there and then come back in January, kind of like Sex and the City did when they ended their run last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Uh, but they're going to do the same thing, and then he says that's going to be it. Now there was there was a rumor that they were going to have a season seven possibly, but he, I, I think he's just decided he's going to just stop there. But he said that he said in two or three, he said quote, it may be in two or three or four years I could be sitting around and get a great idea for a Sopranos movie. I don't think that will happen. But if one morning somebody woke up and said this would make a really good, concise, contained Sopranos story, I wouldn't rule that out. So my question is. 
with the show premiering tonight, and given that I, if I remember correctly, the last episode of the last new episode was there was a bear that was going out in the woods. I don't remember exactly what happened. Uh, there was there was the other Tony. He got killed because the New York uh, families wanted him killed. So where do you think this show is going to end up? Do you think Tony's going to end up in jail? Do you think he's going to get away with it? Uh, I think he. I think he'll probably end up either in jail or dead if they really are going to end the series. Myself. You know, some for some reason though, I think I wouldn't be. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I wouldn't surpri- be surprised to see him get away with it. Yeah. Given the nature of the series, that Tony seems to be the only one that ends up getting out of everything, but that would kind of maybe be poetic justice too. That in the end, he's gotten away with everything up until now. So, well, except even if David Chase wanted to leave open a, a little a little door to uh, to a movie in the future, I don't see how he could kill off Tony then. That's true, but he could put him in jail, I guess, and then somehow he gets paroled in the movie or something like that. That that's a show that I think even that would would be hard to set up for a movie just because all, all of the history of the show it would be hard to introduce it to new people I would think it'd be like the X-Files movie I think yeah and yeah that's true I think the X-Files they did a decent job of pulling non-fans into the show and it, it did decent numbers for what it was and you have to look at uh, what, what uh, Joss Whedon did with uh, Firefly, Firefly and Serenity trying to make the jump from uh, although the movie was great it, it really, I mean, it, box office-wise, didn't do it well at all because it couldn't expand outside the fan base. Yeah, and and I think Joss did as as good a job as he possibly could, trying to get non-fans or not people that were not fans of the show uh, to enable them to understand the universe um, that he created. I mean, he could have done better, but I, I don't see there's, that there's many ways in which he could have done much better. Well, so I was just saying, I don't, I don't see. I mean, with the Sopranos and, and that being on HBO market, yeah. That I mean, sure, the show's got great buzz, got a lot of fans, but I mean, beyond that, to actually get a mass market movie, right? You're, you're, you're talking, you're talking having to do some some, some major uh, box office there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It'd be a very long movie, I bet. <laughs> Probably like The Godfather. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how good their numbers are this season after being gone for two years. Yeah. And the last season, to me, ended kind of where they looked like they were running out of ideas. Yeah, it was it was, it was a very odd ending. I I don't even remember. I barely even remember the last episode. I I the remember. last episode was the one where he's running through the snow trying to get away from the FBI agents. That's right. That yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And then just the last shot though, wasn't it? it was it was the bear that was in his yard just like walked turned around and walked off or something? Like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you, you're right. It, and maybe they are running out of ideas. And I suppose it's good that. It's good that they, maybe it's better that they take off two years and they come up with new ideas rather than cranking out every, you know, they have a, the show ends in May and it comes back in September. So I guess that's good. But, you know, the, on, on the flip side, though, another shield that's, or another show that's similar is The Shield. And yet they manage to come up with stellar stories every season and they're on a regular schedule. They yeah. also don't kill off half, half their cast every season. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But somehow they still have, I, I think, a show that's just about as on par with The Sopranos. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's you know different different strokes for different folks. But uh, also the uh, this week the, there was a uh, X Men trailer, the new one, the feature length trailer hit the web, uh, and it actually premiered in Monday night's episode of Twenty Four. And personally, I'm a little worried just because Brett Ratner. I mean, he was good with Rush Hour or the rush hours, but I'm a little worried about X-Men 3. I saw the trailer. I, was, I wasn't I was as impressed as I, as I hoped I would be. There were some very cool things like uh, the juggernaut bust, busting through the wall. And there were elements that I was pleased by, but I thought it could have been better. Uh, and, and I have hope that, of course, it's not coming out for a few more months. So like Angel's Wings, I thought could have been they could have looked more real than they were. I, I, I'm holding out hope for this movie, but, you know, it's... I'm worried. I'll say that. But this this week, uh, Aaron Stanford, who plays Pyro in the movie, who has now fully gone over to the side of Magneto, he actually contradicted Brett Ratner. Ratner had said a couple of weeks ago to MTV that this would be the last movie because it's called The Last Stand, and that it was meant to be a trilogy. And but Stanford said this week that he believes that yeah, 
that it, it, he does, he said it, it doesn't mean that this is definitive, definitively the last X-Men. When we were making X2, we had no idea there would be a third one. It will pretty much depend on the audience response. If they want more, I'm pretty certain the studio oblige, will oblige, which I completely agree with. Why would they leave behind all this money if they're just like the Superman movies? They kept going until they didn't need to make any more. But why would they just stop in the end for no reason? Well, the problem with the Superman movies is they, they ran it into the ground. I mean, well, true. They, great concept, and then they got sillier and sillier and, 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 and went really away from the original concept. But yeah, no, I mean, with X-Men, if they can keep coming up with, you know, strong movies, mm-hmm. attract an audience, there's no reason, yeah, like you said, to, you know, leave money on the table. Right. Keep making movies that make money. Yeah. Plus, there's so many characters in X-Men, it's, it's a lot easier, it's, you know, Superman or Batman movies, there's only so much you can do with the same character fighting bad guys, but with X-Men, there's a lot more you can do with the characters and the whole storyline. Yeah. You can continually change up the roster if you need to. You don't have I mean, they would be stupid to leave out Wolverine, uh, Hugh Jackman, but they you could if you needed to. You could take out Storm, and I God, I wish they would. Uh, you could take out Cyclops, yeah. and you could still have a decent movie. The, I think the only character really, really you can't get rid of is Professor X. And you can't get... I really don't think you should get rid of Wolverine because he draws in a lot of fans. And not only in the yeah. comics, but in the movies. But other than that, you can really change up the team anytime you want and really have a completely new movie. Uh, there's so much history there that they could base stories on. We'll see. I, I don't. I know that there was a couple years ago on... There was a rumor that the, the Fox execs who were in charge of the movie actually hated the franchise for some reason despite the fact that it was pulling in all this... Uh, all this cash for them, they had very little respect, which I don't know if there's any truth to that rumor, but if so, it just it still amazes me. Um, well, there's a lot of turnover in those studios anyway, so. That's true. That's very true. I, from what I'd heard, though, this was uh, one of the higher-ups, one of the presidents or something like that. Mm. But maybe if if this one does okay, maybe Brian Singer will get a chance to come back, although I kind of doubt it. If he's He's going off to do Logan's Run after this to remake Logan's Run. So he probably, I doubt he would come back, other than maybe in, in some sort of consultant role. Anyways, uh, also this week, or actually two weeks ago, there was a, an image was released on the web, the first image from Spider-Man 3. This, there has been some debate as to whether the, there was actually going to be Venom in, uh, in this movie. And uh, this picture shows Spider-Man in a black costume. And... The scene. The, this would seem to confirm that Topher Grace really is going to play uh, Eddie Brock, who is Venom. Uh, but there is, there is, there was some sh- uh, thought also that he may play uh, Electro. Uh, but just the the mere appearance of a black costume would seems to me <laughs> to say to me that if maybe not at the beginning, he may appear at the end. Uh, although I'm, I'm less than impressed by this costume. Well, people may be reading too much into that picture because it looks like it's just a two-color picture. There's yeah. no other colors in the picture, so it could just be an artistic view of the normal Spider-Man. Yeah, they, Sci-Fi Wire said that. It's, it's They said it's not black and white. Uh, no, it looks like it's a duotone with, like, blue, black, and white. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, it just doesn't seem like it's enough of, of a change from the regular blue and red costume to really be a Venom costume. Given the clouds in the background, I think... I would agree. I'm agree with you, Dave. But... Uh, I don't know. If this is the Venom costume, I'm not impressed. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do have my hope because I love Spider-Man too. I thought it was a lot better than the first one. So we'll see. Did you guys get a chance yeah. to look at it? Oh, isn't Spider-Man 3 another one where they say that the, the third one's supposed to be the last one of a trilogy? Uh, you know, I haven't heard that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised because I would imagine that uh, Tobey Maguire probably doesn't want to do another one after this. But then again, it wouldn't be surprised if it's like James Bond, where they just cast another actor and just keep going, uh, cast someone instead of someone else instead of Kirsten Dunst. And I think Sam Raimi said though, as long as he has money, he's willing to keep going. Oh yeah. So I think I think Kirsten Dunst just said she was going to be out after the third one. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be surprise. Wouldn't surprise me. Although she doesn't have a whole lot going on lately, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The actors tend to be the first ones that want to leave the franchise, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because they want to do other stuff. And I understand that. But they could keep Yeah, going. they almost had Jake Gyllenhaal do, do the second one. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, 
Toby had thrown his back out or something like that. I'd heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was injured. Yeah. Well, you know, studios don't have any problem running it into the ground and making as much money as they can. Well, no, <laughs> that's very true. Look what they did to James Bond. Um, although Pierce was uh, Pierce was good, the last James Bond was was just awful. Now they've gone obviously with uh, with Daniel Craig, who, from what I hear, the uh, there's there's a group of fans that are organizing to try to boycott the Daniel Craig Bond said because they don't want a blonde Bond although I'm sure they will dye his hair to be black just seems like an odd odd stance to take um, well, just the, the, the whole boycott thing seems I mean how many actors have they had over the last number of years play Bond I mean yeah. they recast the character all the way just give the guy a chance you know yeah oh I, I agree plus it's uh, it's Casino Royale which is, it's a prequel to all the other movies and I believe Bond is 24 or 25, and it's when he's first starting out as an MI6 agent. So there, there, is, no Q, right. there is no Q character. Uh, although, strangely enough, the... What's her name? Uh, Judy Dench is going to play M in this movie, which wasn't, I, wasn't M actually a man in all the previous movies prior to GoldenEye? No, I think, I think Judy Dench played M in uh, the last one. Yeah, in, in yeah, she's played M in Goldeneye through whatever the one was with Halle Berry, where they were surfing. But before that, with uh, Sean Connery and uh, Roger Moore, I think M was played by a man. So why would they? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems it seems like an odd choice to have her come back and and play M in a prequel. Uh, maybe a younger woman, or I it just it's just weird. But they, it's the same movie that Quentin Tarantino wanted to direct. He wanted to uh, take on C- Casino Royale, but they gave it to somebody else. I would have loved to have seen a, a Tarantino Bond film. Also this week, Variety, or last week, Variety said that sequels to Superman Returns and Batman Begins could come as early as 2008 and 2009. Uh, Batman is expected to be out in 2008 and Superman in 2009. Uh, though Brian Singer said that he has more ideas for Superman movies, but he said those, those were like my ideas for X-Men 3, uh, kind of riffing on how he got booted from uh, that movie after he took on Superman. He said uh, he told comic book resources, let's just see how the game plays. I don't know, it, Superman's another one of those movies I just don't have a lot of hope for. Even though it's Brian Singer, I have a little hope, but just from the pictures and trailers I've seen, it doesn't look like it's going to be like that great. I was going to say, it sounds like the studio has a lot of hope for the movie since the movie hasn't even, hasn't even come out yet and they're already talking sequels. Yeah, but it seems, I, it seems kind of logical, though, I, I guess. Given the uh, the promotional machine that has started for that movie with all the toys that are coming out in the next few months, it seems you, you'd already have to start planning for a sequel anyways, even if it's going to be terrible. Even if the movie doesn't do that well, you'd think they'd probably want to try again, um, though they may not go with uh, Brian Singer So on the second yeah. And since the since the last time we had a show, there's been uh, there's been a lot of casting for the new Aquaman TV show, which will be starting on the CW next season. And the most significant change has been that the guy who was playing Aquaman, Will Toll, I think is how you say it, uh, he actually got kicked out by Les Moonves uh, when he saw the tapes from the uh, the casting. He demanded that they change actors, and so they went to uh, NBC, the NBC soap Passions, and picked up Justin Hartley, and uh, so he'll be leaving that show, and they've already started filming the pilot, and he, Justin is 28, and uh, oh, CW said, Will's a talented actor with a promising career, and we hope to work with him in the future. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, supposedly this is all a Les Moonves uh Move when they when they announced the CW, he was not a big fan of Tolls, so uh, kicked his ass out. And uh, Adrian Pilecki, who uh, played uh, the small girl or small girl, Supergirl character in season three, the end of season three of Smallville, uh, she's actually come onto the show to play a siren. Uh, I don't know what that means for the show. I know what it is in Greek uh, mythology, but uh, she'll actually be playing a siren and. Uh, Atlanta, who is uh, Arthur Curry, who's Aquaman's mother, uh, will be played by Danielle Walters. And she's been on uh, that wonderful NBC series, Hang Time, which was a uh, 
was a replacement for uh, Saved by the Bell back in the late 90s. Uh, starred uh, Dick Buckus, from what I remember. She's also guest starred on 24 in Las Vegas, and so she was also a model in Japan for a while. Uh, Graham Bentz will, is, will be playing a young Arthur, uh, although how young, I'm not sure. The picture they had that Craig has on AquamanTV.com, uh, it looks like he's about four or five, uh, but the picture's a few years old. And two big names that have been cast. Lou Diamond Phillips has signed on to the show to play Aquaman's father, Tom Curry, who is actually a human and is, is an officer with the Coast Guard. And also Ving Rhames has signed on as McCaffrey, who runs the uh, lighthouse that, uh, I guess, Aquaman hangs out at. And he uh, will play Aquaman's mentor. And finally, uh, Denise Quinones, uh, who played uh, Andrea, the Avenging Angel, on the Vengeance episode of Smallville, has moved over to this series, and she's going to play Rachel, a young woman who is a potential love interest for Aquaman. Uh, she was a Miss Universe in 2001 and Miss Puerto Rico the same year. So I I, I hated her on Smallville. So <laughs> this me is, too. <laughs> this, is a, this is another reason. I mean, I'll give the show a chance. I'll, I'm sure I'll watch the first episode. Uh, Ving Rhames, I, I've i always liked him and everything he's done, so I'll give him some credit and Lou Diamond Phillips. But uh, anyways, this, the show's getting a lot a bigger spot in the light now since, they're, since they've merged networks. It's going to have... Oh, and, and also the uh, the name of the show has finally been confirmed as Mercy Brief, according to Aquaman TV. And day one of filming is already complete as of the 7th. So. Well, that goes along with Smallville, naming the show after the place where it takes place. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll give anything with Goff and Miller to do. I'll give anything a chance. You know, I really enjoy Smallville so much, but um, I just don't know about Aquaman. <laughs> I didn't like the guy when he was in Smallville. That actor, I'm glad they're they're changing actors though. Yeah, I, they, he certainly had the build, but he, uh, yeah, he didn't. Have, I don't really think he had the acting chops either. No. Uh, yeah, it's this guy seems to be the the guy uh, Justin Hartley. He is uh, definitely not as muscular as the guy who played him on Smallville. He's definitely a lot smaller, more in line with the uh, Super Friends version of Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> Lots skinnier, so. Uh, well, uh, on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to talk about the Oscars. Uh, they aired last Sunday, and uh, uh, just you know, just give a brief wrap up and uh, what we thought about it. So, be right back. Hey, this is Mike Woods and Damon Swindoll. Check out Pickled Embryo. Each week on the Breakout Media Network. If you like horror, blood, guts, and boobs, you'll love our show. www.pickledembryo.com Okay, well last Sunday the uh, Oscars aired on ABC with Jon Stewart as host. And it was kind of a... It had... Oh. There goes Trillion. Uh, it had kind of a controversial ending with uh, Crash taking the motion picture of the year. First of all, I I watched it. This is the first time I'd watched the show in probably f- four or five years. I tend to avoid award shows, and I decided since John Stewart was on and he was kind of a different, uh, he was new blood for the show. I decided I would give it a try. I, I haven't watched the Daily Show much, um, but I, I decided I thought, well, John, he's a funny guy. Maybe he'll actually. I, I can't watch Whoopi Goldberg. I can't watch Steve Martin anymore or Billy Crystal. Uh, so I thought I'd give him a chance, and you know what? I really didn't think he was that great. Oh, uh, really? I thought he was the best host ever. Really? I, loved I every second I of his great routines. I, I thought he had its moments. Um, I, I thought he was at his best when he went off script and did his own stuff. When uh, uh, what was it? The when he was talking about these women, these, these actresses barely have enough money to cover their breasts. I thought that was genius. He had some really genius <laughs> moments, but as as a whole, I didn't think he was that great. I thought all his scripted stuff, which may not be up to him, I, I thought he was okay. I, I just... Well, I don't think he was either as, as great or as horrible as, you know, different reviewers, different people make him out to be. I mean, actually, right. I think, I mean, he was pretty low-key, I thought, which was which was kind of good. I mean, I thought that this is kind of the way maybe it should be, is that the, you know, the actors, people getting the awards, they kind 
spit out more as as the star of the show. I thought the real highlight this year were the acceptance speeches. I mean, there were like a lot of really really cool acceptance speeches mm-hmm. that were different from the usual laundry list thank yous or the really strident political statements people get up there and, and, and make. I thought Reese Witherspoon's acceptance speech was really nice and sweet. I thought George Clooney's was 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 sort of topical without being like really stridently political. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that I thought those were really kind of cool. Yeah, I yeah I, I guess it, and and once again it went on too long. But you're right the 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 speeches acceptance speeches were fairly down to earth surprisingly. Uh, they got a little political, but not not nearly as much as in years past. But I, I guess uh, Stewart served his role okay. Uh, I guess he just wasn't as dynamic as I had hoped he would be. Yeah, I don't well, think I mean, the, the real low light... Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the real low light wasn't even John Stewart. It was yeah. that really silly, stupid, green screen uh, spoof that uh, Ben Stiller did. That was really silly. <laughs> See, I thought that was kind of funny, actually. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I, I found the... I, I thought it was humorous. Made me smile at least. I thought having a montage every five seconds of the show was the low light of the show. Yeah, I oh I completely agree. They uh they had, what they had three three or four of them except for the gay cowboy one. Yeah, that that was funny. Um, the, they had one for black and white for noir films. They had one for uh, landmark films, and one for some, something else. And then they had the one, one where people that died. Yeah, well, that, I understand the people that died, but they had another. They had like three, just based around various films. They had the one that uh, covered all the problems that all the movies covered. Yeah, the the social. social yeah, problems. that's the one. And yeah. that's when John Stewart had his best line of saying, "And none of those were ever problems again." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was the the best line of the whole show. Um, but yeah, that and that's the problem with the Oscars is that they run way too long. They start at. Seven o'clock, and the show was not over until ten thirty. If they had cut out two or three of those montages, if they had cut about, cut out some of these awards that nobody really cares about, uh, at least not in an American audience, some of the more technical stuff, uh, achievement and sound editing, uh, I think they could have cut that one out. Uh, achievement and sound mixing, you know, there, there's various ones that they they could have gotten rid of, and probably cut a good thirty minutes out of the show. The show should only be a three uh, three hours at max, I think. Uh, just just hit the big ones, because <laughs> I get absolutely bored. And, and the good thing is I DVR'd it. I DVR'd it and started about an hour late, so I was able to zip through most of the commercials and most of the ones I didn't care about. Uh, but still, I didn't end, I didn't stop watching it until ten thirty, ten forty five, something like that, even with a DVR. Well, you got to think about most of the stars that are going out to that. They don't really care if they're there for four or five hours because that's their entire night, and they're yeah. they can only do it so much for both audiences. Yeah, that, that's true. But at the same time, it's like okay, well, we already had the uh, self congratulatory masturbation session that is the Glo- Golden Globes. Uh, how much do we have to do? I mean, that's basically what an award show is. Either, anyways, it's self congratulatory. Um, but we are we just had the Golden Globes a few weeks ago. Uh, there's the Screen Guild, uh, Screen Guild Awards, the uh, Directors Guild Awards, and it's it just eventually becomes tiresome. And I think at some point you need to make it more for your audience. And I think the Oscars are probably the the best time to do that. So, well, you know, actually, I mean, I, I sort of agree with you, and I think that actually, if they made the Oscars congratulatory and more about sort of talking to people, talking to the audience about the film industry, and mm-hmm. What's really cool about the film industry? Right. Maybe that would help them turn around their box office problems, where they're they're not selling as many tickets as they'd like to. Uh, yeah, but I think I definitely think the box office problems go farther than that. I think it's more just crap movies. Which they shoved that down your throat through the whole. Oh movies. yeah, no kidding. Uh, that that was there's nothing better than seeing a movie in a theater. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's I I think yeah, Dave's absolutely right. I, I think they're so afraid uh, of not only. Losing tickets. Well, they're they're afraid of not only piracy, um, but they're afraid of DVD sales, which have just skyrocketed because of uh, home theater systems have really taken over as the I think for most people the preferred uh, viewing platform for movies. And with uh, Steven Soderbergh uh, getting with Mark Cuban and doing his day and date release for new movies, where they put out the DVD in the store the same day it comes out in the theater. I think they're really aware of a threat coming to the industry, and and 
so the, yeah, they took every chance they could to shove it down your throat. Um, and, and theaters are definitely afraid too. They shut out uh, that movie. Uh, I think it was called Bubble that Soderbergh put out a couple months ago, which it did awful. But um, you know, it's the first time anybody's tried. I don't know why they tried with a Soderbergh film. They're, they're not the most popular films, other than the Ocean's Eleven and Twelve. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. If they if they would get. Uh, I guess it, it should be more like the MTV Awards in some ways. You know, they need to have more fun. I think that's another problem, I think, is with the Oscars is this. They don't have enough fun. And I will give uh, John Stewart and Ben Stiller and uh, Steve Carell and Will Ferrell, at least they tried to bring it up a little bit. And the 3-6 Mafia. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, three, yeah. The, the, the Will Ferrell thing, that, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, Steve Carell and Will Ferrell. But, yeah, the God, the 3-6 Mafia. <laughs> Um, speaking of that, yeah, that I all the song, all three songs that were nominated. What, there was the the song from Crash. There was the "It's Hard Out There for a Pimp" or "Hard Out Here for a Pimp," and there was some other song which I don't remember what it was. I just remember they were all awful. And Dolly Parton. Yes, the Dolly Parton song. Okay, you know what? That was actually the best song of the three. Um, <laughs> that I I was not. I'd heard. I'd never heard this. The the rap song that won. Uh, by Three Six Mafia, I'd never heard it. I'd heard all this build up to it. Oh, this is just the most awesome rap song ever. I was really less than impressed. Well, the song means nothing if you're not watching the movie with it. And that may be true, but and, and then on top of that, although it still didn't deserve to win best song. No, no. It, as far as l- lyrical value, I mean, not that you expect a lot of lyrical value out of rap songs. It's they're they're mostly for the beat and to have fun. But I mean. The the lyrics as they were the rhyming they just didn't I mean I get more out of an Eminem song than I got out of that, uh, and, and the crash song I well okay going back to to the rap song real quick why did they put in choreography with a rap song I mean it was it was bizarre the most bizarre presentation of an Oscar song I've ever seen and and a, a song in that genre a rap song doesn't need choreography like that I mean I guess it worked for the crash song but. That's one of those movies, I guess, where you can have interpretive dancing. They uh, usually do that on the Oscars, though. Yeah, but the, you know that was the best thing about the Dolly Parton thing is that it, there was no choreography; it was just her out there singing. And what's wrong yeah. with that? You know, it's usually just the best presentation as it was. If they had gotten out there and just, you know, just rapped and do what they usually do at a concert, it probably would have been fine. But yeah, I was, I laughed. Shift some people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, get violent on stage. I still haven't seen that movie yet. From I still haven't seen. I I didn't see most of the Oscar nominated films. I haven't seen Hustle and Flow, Crash. All I saw was Walk the Line and King Kong, which I didn't think Reese Witherspoon deserved Best Actress. Really, she was good, but I didn't think it was that awesome of a performance. I thought she was good. I you know of course I can't compare it to anyone else because I didn't see I didn't see Trans America. I didn't see I didn't I still haven't seen Brokeback Mountain. Um, but I, I was surprised that she won. Oh, I was Absolutely. glad you won. I love her as an actress. But speaking of King yeah. Kong, though, I mean, Peter Jackson's got to be really pretty different. He took a, a classic movie, yeah, and it was a great movie, and it did so poorly in the Oscars. I mean, with Lord of the Rings, I mean, he really broke that barrier with the genre, and he actually got significant real awards, not just the technical awards, but yeah. actual creative of awards. And, you know, after he broke that barrier, then he goes back and with, with King Kong and he just goes back and it gets thrown back to the technical categories. Yeah. It, that was such an that, amazing movie. Yeah, it was. It was. And it, of course, you got to wonder is it, are they, whoever does the, the Academy, were they looking at the box office at the same time? Because King Kong did not do as well as expected. Uh, they expected to make just truckloads of money and they didn't. I, I don't even know if they made their budget back. Um,. But yeah, it was a great movie, and why it didn't do better at the box office, I don't know. But you would think the Academy would at least recognize. Well, did it as Crash it was. do very good at the box office? I think it was mostly afterwards that it got uh, the recognition. Yeah, I think it's mostly on DVD sales. It's it's one of those movies that's built afterward. But King Kong, had, I mean, Crash didn't have a lot of hype going into it. Uh, whereas King Kong, they released a DVD box set, uh, the production notes, uh, before the movie was even in theaters. Um, well, I actually turned Crash off during the movie when I rented it because it was just too boring. I couldn't really. Take it. Really, I yeah, I still. It's one of those ones I I need to watch. It takes a lot for me to do that in a movie. Really, um, yeah. The the only yeah, that's the only one I, <laughs> I haven't seen. I mean, the only one I have seen is Walk the Line, King Kong. 
Uh, and I'm not surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if King Kong, if it had been nominated, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had won Best Picture. But was Good Night and Good Luck up for Best Picture? Uh, because that was a great movie. Yeah, I, I agree. Fathom the nominations here. Uh, yeah, I don't. Okay, nominated for Best Picture was Brokeback, Capote, Good Night, Good Luck, and Munich. Which Munich got shut out. Uh, good night and good luck. Well, George Clooney won for uh, Syriana for that. I don't think Good Night won anything. Uh, Brokeback got just they really they really got. I don't want to say shut out because shut out's not the right word, but I, think, I mean uh, the director got best director. So yeah, yeah, Ang Lee, yeah. But I think they expected him to win so much more, uh, like best actor, uh, maybe even best actress or best supporting actress with Michelle Williams. Um. But I think everyone was really surprised. Everyone expected, and I, I was listening to the uh, TVGuide.com podcast from last week, just the other day, and this was pre-Oscars, and they were saying, oh, there's there's no you know validity to any controversy surrounding uh, Brokeback and will it or will it not win the best picture. It's going to win the best picture. There's no question. People are just looking for, for stories. And obviously they were wrong. I, I just and, and some people seem to think that maybe that there really is an anti-gay movement in Hollywood. Uh, that uh, Michael Osiello, who is gay himself, said that he believes that even many of the Democrats are uh, anti-homosexual, and that's maybe why it didn't do as well as it could have. Or and this is, of course, this is before Oscars, but or why it may not do as well as it did. So. You mean that Brokeback Mountain somehow didn't do do better because of some anti-gay thing? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Osiello uh, kind of alluded to that that there may be an anti-gay movement uh, among you know supposed liberals uh, and and among Hollywood or the old Hollywood establishment. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, and the Academy is comprised of old Hollywood. So well, yeah, and you know, I mean, he might. I I, I don't want to discount what he's saying but i don't know i kind of find that hard to believe i really do it would surprise I mean, me too but you never know they did do the count uh, you know they, they were just all <laughs> yeah. i mean a lot of good movies i mean walk the line was was a great great movie so you know we reese witherspoon certainly deserved a win for that so you know it, it sort of got spread out a little bit and yeah, you know, I, yeah. I haven't seen crash myself but everyone i know has seen it and they they rave about it so they yeah. probably deserved to win too Probably so. Uh, everybody raves about Dave's. You're the only person I've heard that that didn't like it. But uh, well, the people I've talked to that have seen that and Brokeback Mountain have all said Brokeback Mountain was better. Yeah. Though they all think Crash was good, they think Brokeback Mountain was better. Right. Interesting. I was also surprised by uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. It won. It won a lot of awards. It won uh, all the awards no one cares about, but still uh, achievement in art direction. Uh, what else? Uh, achievement cinematography, and which I heard it was just an awful movie. I, I didn't get a chance to see that one either, but I heard it was awful. I won costume design, and yeah, that was it. Um, but still, it's more than I expected it to win, given all the negative publicity surrounding it. Uh, since they were using Chinese, was it Chinese actresses for a Jap for Japanese characters? Uh, there was a lot of controversy about that. It's been banned in China, or they were—I'm sorry—they were using Japanese actors for Chinese characters. I can't remember. Anyways, it's been banned in China because of that. Um, and on top of that, I heard it was just not very good. So I, I was surprised. Uh, also, Rachel uh, Weiss run one for best actress or actress in a supporting role for *The Constant Gardener*, another movie I haven't seen. Um, she she beat out uh, Amy Adams, Catherine Keener for Capote, Frances McDormand for North Country, and Michelle Williams for Brokeback. I think everyone expected Michelle Williams to win that. Um, I was surprised, given all the everything I'd heard about uh, Brokeback, that that and, and everything I didn't hear about the Constant Gardener. So, um, just another one of the surprises. And, and I just heard, I had to laugh at the end of the show. Uh, that there were so many, so many things were turned upside down. I don't know why I get some, it's some kind of dark glee out of that, <laughs> but it made me laugh at the end of the show that everything had just, so many people have been, uh, I don't know, defeated is the right word, but it had not gone the way everybody expected it to. But in a way, that's kind of good. 
Hardback Mountain had swept everything. Yeah. Everyone would have kind of yawned and said, oh, well, why do I even bother watching? I mean, it, it was the way it was, you know, expected to be. So at least people who watched got, got a few surprises out of it that yeah. way. Yeah, that's true. And at least it held some entertainment value there. Uh, Wallace, as far as uh, sci-fi type things go, um, the only, let's see, Chronicles of Narnia won Achievement in Makeup, uh, which is no surprise to me. Uh, King Kong won for Achievement in Sound Mixing and Sound Editing. Again, the, you know, like you said, the Technical Awards. Uh, there wasn't, yeah, it didn't win much else. Uh there wasn't anything outstanding out there. Uh, March of the Penguins, there's no surprise that it won Best Documentary, given the amount of money it made. Um, and, you know, more... more Where was Grizzly Man? Yeah, you know what? You know, I was surprised that Grizzly Man didn't get nominated. Uh, that's another movie that's made... It's made, I think, more in DVD sales, but uh, it has had a tremendous amount of publicity. And I, I don't think... I think it's... From what I've heard, at least here in Dallas, you can't even find a copy to rent because uh, everybody keeps checking it out. Uh, it's it's very hard to find. You're right. I, I can't believe Grizzly Man wasn't even nominated this year. Um, but uh, what what else was nominated? It was uh, March of the Penguins, which everybody expected. Did which they brought up the stuffed penguins on stage, which cracked me up. Uh, Darwin's Nightwear, Enron, the smartest guys in the room, which I heard was was pretty good. Murder Ball, that's another one uh, that a lot of people bought. Um, and Street Fight, which I've never heard of. But Well, guys, uh, I'm sorry? What'd you say, Chris? I don't know. No. I didn't see any of the documentaries, so I don't know about them. Yeah, March of the Penguins worth seeing. And uh, I've heard Murder Ball's good, but... One of those years where I just kind of rebelled and didn't watch a whole lot. I've heard all those documentaries are really good, mm-hmm. so maybe it's just a big year for documentaries. It, yeah, it may have been. Hey, they seem to be getting bigger. Documentaries seem to be getting bigger in theaters with Grizzly Man, um, Murder Ball. Of course, Murder Ball went straight to DVD, I think. It was supposed to be released in theaters, but never did. Uh, it's But documentaries definitely seem to be getting a gaining a bigger foothold in cinema. Well, doesn't that kind of reflect the TV, so it sort of makes sense that that would sort of carry over to film eventually. With uh, you talking about with like reality series, yeah. and just just that it would you know it would it would carry over and that that you know fact based stuff. I mean, Capote obviously mm-hmm. fact based. Good night, good luck, fact based. Right. So you know, documentaries, you know, another extension out of that. I think uh, you know, and again, you know, with everyone you know, sort of you know very interested in reality TV that. Uh, you know, people being interested in reality film, I guess that sort of uh, sort of is an extension of that. Right. All right. Well, I guess that's going to just about do it uh, for us this week. We had uh, had a couple more or one more segment planned, but unfortunately, I couldn't get a hold of Eric. So maybe we'll move that to next week, and hopefully, Mike and Meredith will be able to rejoin us next week as well. Uh, but Chris, Dave, uh, Scott, I appreciate all of you guys filling in this week. Um, it's uh, been, definitely been an interesting discussion. Um, like I do with every show, I'm going to end the song with uh, something out of my independent music collection. Uh, this week, I'm going to do Houston Calls with Bob and Bonnie. Uh, see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks.